Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 58 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today runs a Los Angeles-based award-winning video production company, She has produced, filmed, and edited for big-named brands like Starbucks and Microsoft. But behind this success is a dark story. A story about a young lady whose life got turned upside down after getting hit by a car, which led to serious depression and eventual alcoholism. The story gets darker as she ends up with a jail sentence with seemingly no hope of ever living a normal life. It's a story of struggle and redemption. It's a story of hopelessness and hopefulness. It's a story of depression and inspiration. This is the story of Tamara Thompson. Tamara, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I really appreciate it. I, I love sharing my story because there's so much to it. So <laughs> we'll see how much we, we get in today's episode. But thank you again for having me on it. I really do appreciate it. Well, I love a good story and I'm sure my listeners do too. By the way, I, I just want to like put this out there. Um, I googled your name when I was doing a little bit of research on you. I put in your name Tamara Thompson into Google. And the first thing that showed up was Tamara Thompson starved her baby to death. And I, oh. <laughs> not me. I'm not. Joking. I'm not kidding, Tamara. I literally was like, "Hell no!" I mean, it's a good story, but that I can't have that on my show. And the the, the crazy <laughs> thing is, is you said you told me that you went to jail and you did jail time, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol. But I'm like, killing her baby. That that's I can't. I can't do that. Uh, even like, look well, at the off, picture. First off, I don't have any children, so I've never been pregnant. So that's definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, even, I did like a, I did like a, a pic, I took a pic, I, I looked at the picture of the woman, right, Tamara Thompson, mm-hmm. and then I went on your profile, like on your company website, I looked at your picture, and it's like eerie, eerily like, mm, could be, she could have like, you know, you know, over the years, <laughs> it's like, oh my god. <laughs> so anyway, definitely not me. I went to a different room. I did. I definitely didn't go to jail. Right. <laughs> not but, for that. <laughs> well, she she's from Australia, so I I kind of listened to a, a previous show you did, and I heard you have the American accent, so I figured, okay, good. Um, that that pretty much sorts <laughs> that one out. Uh, yeah. That's anyway, funny. so you know what's interesting is that you got into video production. Because video production is ultimately all about great storytelling. And, you know, you have a great story to tell. So every story has like a beginning, a middle, and an end. So where did it all begin for you? Hmm. On the side of like silly, like video production or like all of it basically, like I kind of went through all, it kind of went through all of it together. So I'll start. So basically back, well, this dates my age right here, but but back when I was uh, in my like uh, early mid twenties, I was about 24. um, I was going through a a really rough time. I was in the fitness industry and um, I wasn't really happy in my, my job. I had just uh, literally the day before this incident happened, I was, um, dumped by my first love and I was out jogging and it wasn't in the sense that I wasn't paying attention but like I was really angry and I was like out there and uh, I was on a crosswalk and a guy failed to stop at a crosswalk and uh, it knocked me back so it was a hit and run the guy left me there I fell back really hard I had severe sprains and I literally like hit my head so hard that I was knocked out for like 27 hours uh, luckily I didn't have any concussions but it just really knocked me out and um 
that's where my, my journey really started because I was actually like, I played basketball in college and, and I was really athletic and, um, just the, these things that happened in my life that, that, that I didn't like really take, take into consideration of like depression and things that, um, were like kind of on the surface with the relationship I was in, uh, started to, to unfold. So, uh, I went to the hospital, the person that just dumped me, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't come visit me at the hospital. I kind of spun spiraled into like depression. I couldn't play basketball. I couldn't work out. Um, my ankle was like severely turned in. So like, you know, when people are walking and, and it's considered called like over here is considered pigeon toed. Mm. Like I had my, my right ankle so far in that I would walk and it was like, it took like quite a few years to like train my ankle to go back out. And then my hip was, um, hit pretty hard too, like back on the the cement. And so it like shifted. So I I have this limp still when I get really tired, people can say, we'll say, Hey, Tamara, you're limping. And I'm like, Oh, I was like, my, my, my hip must be tired. So things have stuck with me. And this was, this was over 10 years ago that this actually happened um, when I was hit. But from there I went into drinking. Basically I was depressed, um, started going out to the bars. It was literally like cheers, you know, like, Hey Cliff, Hey Norm, Hey Tamara. (laughs) it was like that tv show that everybody knew with ted danson and and um yeah it was really bad and i was literally at the bars like uh, five days a week um i I couldn't really train very well um i had stopped going to school um for that part but um, can i just cut in for a second there because i want to i want to understand something here You, you you said that the day that you got hit you were in a bad mood um so when you say a bad mood were you what was when after the accident the depression that you went into was it a direct result of the accident or was it just another i guess you know it reason was, to was, be down it was because i it was because i literally was was dumped like out of a relationship like i i was angry when i when i went out for that run and i was sad and so i had all these different mixed emotions going on when i was hit so when I did actually get like to the, the hospital and I woke up, like all these emotions kept going through me. Like I, I was just dumped. You know, I lost my first love. I, they, they wouldn't come to the hospital. I, you know, couldn't. Like the doctor was like, "Well, you're pretty beat up. You're not going to be able to play basketball for a while. Uh, not be able to work out." And this is for someone that actually worked at a gym. You know, so you can imagine like. Right. having these issues and then trying to go and train people at a gym and you're like messed up yourself like mm. it was embarrassing and I actually ended up putting on 85 pounds that year because Whoa. of habits that started forming that were really bad like going to Taco Bell <laughs> and drinking and just you know being like a really athletic person to like not really caring and really realizing what depression was like after that and not really letting people help me i just kind of spiraled into my own self and then i started building different relationships with different type of people at like mm. bars like social settings and later on in life i realized that, that those weren't really my my true friends it was like a social like friend um yeah. thing i was like the life of the party <laughs> but and I, it made me happy at the time but alcohol being a depressant really did mess me up so how far how far did you go with the alcohol in terms of like w- just every day getting drunk and then too, too far <laughs> so um yeah it was it was hard i it started off more like casual drinking um i drank consistently for about six years um pro- not not the extent of like i woke up and i drank in the mornings or anything like that but i would drink nightly drink before i went to bed at first it was just going to bars then it was drinking at home drinking at home with roommates mm-hmm. um it, and then it was like sunday mornings we'd wake up and go to the bar because they had brunch and they had mimosas like it was it got it got really consistent and Mm -hmm. I started realizing it but the reason that that I started realizing I had a problem was well first off um the same year where I was I was dumped um I was pulled over by a cop um 
and I was going 108 miles per hour on a bridge, like really fast, (laughs) really fast. And um, I had open containers in the back of my seat. I reeked of alcohol. um, And this guy like pulled the cop pulled me over and he he let me go he gave me a really really high speeding ticket more like reckless driving Mm -hmm. but he didn't he didn't he let me go like i was like whoa you know like man i got away with that one right Right. like i could have been pulled like put to jail two weeks exactly from that point that i was pulled over in that exact spot uh it's because i had continuously drank and drove from this one bar that I would go to in Seattle, Washington, where I was uh, born. Mm -hmm. And um, two weeks later, I was pulled over in the exact same spot. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, somebody's watching over me right now and saying, you better learn your lesson, right? And so I was pulled over and the first officer, it was a state patrol. He literally, um, he, he was worried about me. So we would have like a like, a, like I, I passed most of the like so field sobriety tests. Like I could walk the line. He was like really shocked with how high my br- um, breath, breath alcohol level was and uh, BAC. And he, he called my mom. And um, at that point, I was actually staying with my mom. Um, I had gone back to school and I was like, well, I'm going to save some money and try to figure out some things and um, was living with her. And she calls her up and he, he has her meet us in this parking lot he's like i'm just gonna drive you out to to you know the area that you live and i'm just gonna talk to your mom and <laughs> and he he was nice about it he was like i'm really worried about your daughter i i believe what we call this is is seasoned alcoholic and mm. the sense that i could function really well and i had a really high like content i had like at least 12 beers that night <laughs> like I, it got to the point where wa- beer was like water to me wow. and so my my tolerance level like over that year had just really just started taking off and so and especially if i ate if i ate and drank like i could just drink all day but th- that's just how bad it was but he he was genuinely kind and told my mom about it Um, and then for two weeks after that, I was so scared about drinking. I didn't drink. Right. Right. And then two weeks later is a Sunday night, the same night that they had a dollar pitcher, like dollar pitcher night, the pitcher of beer for a dollar, (laughs) not like a beer, the whole pitcher. Okay. And, and so two weeks later I was literally, um, uh, called uh, by some friends that invited me to a, um, was a bachelorette party. And then from there I was like, okay, well I have to drink, right? Like everybody's drinking. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'll just have a, I'll just have a glass. Right. And then I got another call saying, come out to this other bar that I would go to all the Mm -hmm. time. So I went out there again. Um, and I drank again, I drove again. And that same night, two weeks after the first DUI, um, I got pulled over again and this guy was not as nice to me (laughs) and I got pulled in and I had been like, you know, getting sick all over me. I had you know throw up, disgusting. I know, like down the side of my shirt, down the side of my car. It was like d- d- I felt like ashamed of mm-hmm. what had happened, and then having to call my mom again two weeks after it just happened. So you can just you can imagine the route I was going with, right. and um, it happened to me ag- again uh, three years later. Um, I had gotten I had gotten my life back together, kind of, in the sense of thinking like, well, if I don't drink and drive, I'm fine, right? I don't have a problem. But I did. I would just get rides from people thinking that I solved this problem, but the problem was really me. Mm-hmm. And my alcoholism just started going. So three years later, I got accepted into a program for fitness um, training. I had gotten myself back in shape again. Um, that night that I went out to celebrate, my coworkers were like, come on, let's, let's celebrate. And all of a sudden you hear the, the, the cop, you know, the sirens and the lights behind me again, and I get thrown in jail again. Wow. So this is a, this is a third DUI hit literally like three years, uh, a little bit over. But yeah, from that point though, I was so scared though. We went to court and the, um, it was a, a miracle in a sense, like it was giving me more time to like figure out stuff again. Um, everyone just kept saying I was like a miracle case that just kept happening because uh, I had a, a case that was dropped. That that case was actually dropped because one of the cops that was on that case was uh, fired for fraudulent claims on multiple other cases. Hmm. So 
his testimony and everything that went with it and the actual cop that pulled me over, he had a cold. So he had admitted that he couldn't tell that I was intoxicated and couldn't smell or anything. (laughs) So he kind of put himself in a, in a bind. So yeah, it was crazy because that specific day, the regular judge was on vacation and there was another judge that didn't know my past. She was like, well, that's it. Like we're throwing this case out because that, that cop's been fired. Right. So, I was lucky enough, but I had to go through treatment and other things like that. And I kind of skimmed by through treatment, you know, like getting your alcohol out of your system, like two days before drinking lots of water, like you go and you, you pee in a cup and you give a test. Right. And they're like, Oh, you're doing good. You have signatures for your AA slips. Like I was going three times a week to AA because it was mandatory, not because I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it just kept going. And so it happened. One more time. Are you kidding <laughs> on, me? Okay, uh, one second. How many times have you now been to jail? Well, I was pulled. I've been pulled over five times for the same thing, but I went to jail four times. And what was and the longest? What's the longest jail, amount? So there was five. Okay, so what was the longest jail sentence? So after the last one, uh, I was pulled over when I was thirty. That was three years after the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I was going to jail, and it. It, um, I should have gone to jail for like over a year, but wow. I went in and I fought for it. Um, it's kind of tried to show a track record of all of the good things I was doing. I went back to school for filmmaking at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I fought for, uh, th- the minimum, which is three months in jail and four months of house arrest, mm-hmm. uh, along with five years of, um, interlock device on my vehicle. Mm. Um, and th- uh, two years of, of mandatory treatment and continuation of AA tre- or meetings, too. You still go to AA meetings today? Occasionally. I, I did the first three years. I've been so... Um, I haven't found any down. I moved to California this last year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on my, my list of priorities, so... I, um, it was something that really happened, helped me through the first three years. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know people can agree with me or not agree with me. Um, I know who I am at this point and what helps me the most to, to keep me clean and sober. How long have you been, how long have you been clean and sober now? Over six years. Wow. That's amazing. So what was the turning point? Cause that you took us through sort of those dark moments and, and, you even talked about in the midst of those dark moments, in the midst of all that craziness, you still were pursuing pursuing a career in in video in production. Yeah. My question, yeah. my question to you is is why? Like, what? On the one hand, you're like basically self sabotaging yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you're like going for this this career in in video production. Like, what was going through your mind then? Well, I knew I was unhappy with the fitness industry. And so um, when actually when YouTube came out that first year, I have, I have a lot of friends that are considered YouTube stars now that have like <laughs> over 2.5 million subscribers. Like I probably could have been that type of person. I had started creating more um, silly vlog content in the beginning. Right. Um, and I actually had a, um, a whole channel that had over 800,000 um Wow. Uh, views at the time and i deleted that and i feel so stupid that i did oh that because <laughs> i mean that that, that would have shown some of the stuff that i used to create but um mm. that wasn't the path i wanted to go down okay. and when i started sharing my story more um i actually got into i love music and i started directing music videos for artists and if you know if you think about music videos there's there's stories through music as well yeah and so that's where i started uh directing music videos reaching out to people that were on The Voice, American Idol. Mm-hmm. I, I funded. Uh, I got funding for my own web series called Artist Encore, where I literally just started doing my own video work. And but every time I did something, it had to have a story. And so that's where I just kept doing that though with video. But I wasn't quite sober. I kind of would slow down on on like drinking at times. But then when that fourth DUI came in, that was my last year of college. I went mm. back to school at the Art Institute. And um, I got hit so hard. I was like, "Oh my gosh! If I don't, if I don't ship up, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna 
you know, if I don't shape up, I'm going to ship out, basically. Uh, the look on my family's face on the last one, like, I had a $25,000 bail. I didn't have the Whoa. money to, like, bail myself out. My actual stepdad, actually, was kind enough to put his car up on a, a lean uh, wow. to get me out. And um, I thought I was just going to be sitting in there for a while. Um, but yeah, once I was sentenced, I was actually in actual jail for, with a room of 10 women, which was a very scary experience too. And, and, uh, I was probably in the best shape of my life though, when I was in there, um, just a lot of things that, that happened. Just for, um, just, for con- just for contrast for our listeners right now, your, your media agency, yeah, I'm sorry, your, uh, media production agency, um, what's it called? Seri- uh, Serious Take Productions. Yeah. What's the what's the annual revenue right now with that company? Oh gosh, we keep doubling. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we've we reached. Well, it was crazy because I went from starting a company in 2012 more along lines as a freelancer. Can you can imagine that? Mm-hmm, to, yeah. to going over to six figures to multiple six figures. So our goal this year is to project to our seven figure mark. But like, if you think about it this way, though, going from like a freelancer state of like 60 grand a year, and now we're talking with clients that we can close 150 thousand a month. You know, so wow. like. It's just a whole like shift. <laughs> so you're and it's, it's something wow. that I've done within the last couple of years. So we've done this really quickly. So you, you basically. basically pretty much have gone from, you know, you know, pretty much being a, a sad basket case to this year looking to, to, to you know, get to a million dollars in, in revenue yes. with a business that you've built. The question mm-hmm. When I- we build a team too, and, and that's awesome because going from that, and being able to change my mindset in the sense of being able to scale a business because you can't do everything your, yourself, right? For sure, so, for sure. But like, what, what I, I want to. I don't do all that video production stuff anymore. I focus on like leads and the storyboarding and stuff like that. Yeah, but I want to give you more credit because at the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there who went through what you went through and are still in that position. And maybe some of them are listening to this right now. And the question that they would have is, what did you do? How did you turn yourself around? Well, <laughs> the first year, I, I kind of I secluded myself from a lot of people. Uh, so the first nine months of my sobriety, I, I didn't really talk to people. Obviously, I was in jail, house arrest. I, I felt like I was like Lindsay Lohan with a little <laughs> lovely ankle bracelet <laughs> running around. Um, I, I just had to remove myself from situations that I knew were going to harm me or harm my family. I didn't want the, the shame to come back in. Um, when I was able to uh, get out of jail and continue my education that last year, I was really excited about video. Um, and so I just continued to pursue. I started the company, uh, Serious Take Productions, when I was still working full time for as a production um, producer for another corporate company. Which, like, I, like you said earlier, I produced for Microsoft and Starbucks. But when I was in that area, I had some situations with the company where I, I didn't like the way that people were, were treating each other. I told myself I wanted to work in an environment and a culture that was positive and uplifting and people just have amazing work ethics and can work well together. Mm-hmm. And so I literally put together a couple different proposals, um, one for Gabriel Cosmetics, who has, we've built the partnership over the years, and a couple other individuals and Safeway, we, um, which is a, a large a grocery store in the United States, Safeway, Bonds, Albertsons, mm-hmm. people may know that. Yeah. And uh, so I put in these proposals and I said to myself, if I, or when I get these leads to turn into conversions as new clients, I'm going to step away from this corporate position and I'm going to push forward and do whatever I have to do to be my own boss. And I literally did it, you know, not, I mean, it wasn't all just myself. Of course, I had help with it. And, and my partner, um, my business partner, Danielle, she's helped. She left the corporate world mm-hmm. less than two years ago to help push this company a lot the last year. Like we've just scaled tremendously the last year. But Tamara, what was um, the yeah, defining, was what, what, what was the defining moment though? That, surely there was a point where you said, okay, enough with the alcohol. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I'm just going to move on and I'm going to, I'm going to build my life and I'm going to pursue my dreams. Like, when was that? Do you remember that? Was there a specific time, a day? I believe, in my opinion, I think it would be probably the point when graduation came around for graduating um, from the Art Institute. So I had been sober 
you know, over nine months. And we literally, because it happened December 20th, my fourth DUI, and I graduated actually June, oh, June 20th. So it's about six months. So um, I told myself, I, I said, if I want to be successful and I want to stay clear, and because I was, I kept watching other people um, not waste their life away, but choose different directions. And I told myself I didn't want to hurt myself or my family because I, I knew if I stepped in the car one more time that like I wouldn't be as lucky. Like I just knew if I drank and drove that like I felt like like this intuition that like something horrible was going to happen. Either I I was going to die, I was, or I kill somebody in the process with a drunk driving accident I, that that was one thing I was super grateful for was the fact that like I never injured anyone with my DUI like drunken mm-hmm. experiences and think of this this was like five days a week that I went out and drank and drove over mm-hmm. a period of six years like think of like how who I could have hurt and right. and people need to think that as well because consistently I'm still very aware of things around me I don't drive at night like I, I just I'm very aware of things because I know there's a lot of people that, that that drink and drive still and and when they say it's one glass it's just one glass well you better you know wait that whole hour to sober up or drink water before you drink and drive like mm-hmm. I mean there's situations that go on but there's uber and taxis and everything else like I don't know I just I knew I didn't want to hurt anyone anymore at that point and I knew that I wanted to do something meaningful with my life so mm-hmm. that's where I, where I went into something I was actually passionate about and I realized it when I was creating those silly YouTube videos for four years I had family and friends telling me you should make a career out of this and I kept saying it was a hobby and then mm-hmm. it clicked and I was like you're right I need to do something I'm passionate about and then I built off that and built off the, built up the business so I mean there's just there was just a few different turning points in my life where I was like this is it like if I don't do something about it it, like I'm gonna hurt somebody like myself or somebody else or the shame I had from my family was like tremendous weight on my shoulders that um, now my mom is like super proud of me so is my father like they've seen the whole shift and they're just like you're a totally different person and being able to go out and create films um, I think my other shift was when I actually started watching Shark Tank and uh, yeah. The Prophet yeah. And I got more into business and entrepreneurship, and that's when it really clicked because I, when we, we created Inspired by Eleven, it's a, our latest documentary film where we went out and interviewed 11 top uh, influential people in their industries like Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Allison Maslin, Michael Parrish Judell, the author of the Shark Tank books. Like I did all the personal reach outs and I connect with people and I do whatever it takes because I'm very persistent and mm-hmm. you know the power of the follow up and everything. Like being able to share their stories got me so inspired and pumped to continue. That's where I really like niched down with our company a couple years ago. I was like, I know I can't create documentaries, full on documentaries for everyone, but why not create epic branding trailers? And that's where a serious take really started to shift. Why? And why so, are you, Tamron? Why are you hesitant before? you were hesitant to say that that people are wasting their lives away in fact you stopped yourself and you said well they're not wasting their lives away they're just choosing a different path why, why are you hesitant to say yeah there are people that are wasting their lives away because um you were I, well i i know i well because i still know people that are and i've always encouraged people to do whatever it takes to get to where they want to be and and some people never push past that and it's hard to say that because i don't want to offend anyone either because some people will just listen in and be like well i don't have a drinking problem but you know what in the sense of whenever i share something like on my personal well Facebook you know what page, Cameron, you might not say it but i'm gonna say it because it's my show so those <laughs> for those people listening if you're not following your dream like Tamron did if you're not pursuing what you really want to do then you are wasting your life away and if you don't like what I said switch off the podcast because the end of the day like I interview people like Tamron I interview people on the show because I want to inspire the people that really want to create a life that that they want to live and they want to live a dream dream life and if and if that offends somebody that, oh, I'm wasting my life away, then maybe you should watch Mary Poppins or something else. This is, you know, I, 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 I'm a big believer in, in, at the end of the day, there's somewhere along your life, someone's going to say something so impactful that you're going to say, hell yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about it. And the people who don't, fine, they won't. But mm-hmm. the, the, the truth is, is I, and then this is it, I speak the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The end of the day, if you if you're not living to your full potential, you're wasting your life. We we only live on this on this planet for a certain amount of time, and 
after that, you're done. Like once you're lying on your death, you know, I got a text just before this show from my wife. Um, her grandfather just got shipped to the hospital and um, he's he's in a very serious condition. He's, he's, uh, he's older, he's in his 70s and he's had a few serious heart attacks. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if by the time this show finishes, I don't know if he's going to be alive. Now, hopefully, please God, he will be. But right now, my wife's grandfather is lying literally on his deathbed. He is going in and out of life, in and out of consciousness. And that's going to happen to every single person listening to this show. It's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to you. And the question that I ask myself, and if you're a person who lives with purpose and meaning, then you'll also ask yourself the same question. And that is that when I'm lying on that bed, which is inevitable, am I going to look back at my life and say, I did what I wanted to do? Or are you going to look back and say, I wasted my life? Now, the question is, is it better for you as a listener to hear that now or when it's too late? You know, so... That's anyway, that's point. that's my little plug. <laughs> no, I love that. That's awesome. You know, but I want to I want to say I'm something so, else. So I, I always encourage people to, to. I mean, if you you don't haven't known me a super long time, but when you do get to know me more, people always know that I continuously challenge people to do something, to step out of their comfort zone, and and because I'm a massive action taker, and so mm-hmm. when people put in these words like, "If I can do this," I'm like. No, no, no. I'm like, take, take these words out. Like when (laughs) you do this, like set a goal, like when I create this, when I step forward and they Mm -hmm. can be tiny, like goals to them, them at that time. But like, if you just set goals and continue to move forward, like it takes time to build a business. It takes time to build relationships. It takes time. But if you're really passionate about something, like why not go after it and, you know, do, do the side hustle on the side. Like I did with starting the video production company, I was working 80 hours a week trying to build this as well as work full time for a corporate company. Yes. I understand people have families and other things, but you know, when you have families and friends and supporters around you, you're going to figure out a way you just, you just do like literally you just do, you take action and you figure it out. And, and yeah, it's not easy. And there's tons of failures around along the way. Like I've fallen on my face, like literally too, but like multiple times (laughs) and you know, I just get up and people are like, how do you do it, Tamara? I'm like, well, I just, I don't want to be here. So, and I want to be here. So I'm going to figure out what actionable tip, like takeaways that I can take from these experiences to get to where I want to be and learn from other mentors and just listen to other podcasts and see how other people are doing things as well as watch video content and movies and, you know, just continue to connect with people. So, and I love telling my story too, but that's like one thing that's important. People need to share their story because then that opens another door. That's the thing. That's the next thing I was going to ask you. What impresses me the most about you of all the things is that you are courageous enough to share the story. Because the thing is, is that I'm sure some people listening to this will, 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 you know, relate to me as well here, is that a lot of people, especially people who are building big successful businesses, they don't want other people to know their dark secrets, their past. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about dealing with big clients like Starbucks and Microsoft. And, you know, the last mm-hmm. thing you want is for them to judge you and say, hold on a second. You know, this person went to jail. I don't want to do business with someone who went to jail. I don't want to do business with someone who was an alcoholic. I don't want to do mm-hmm. business with somebody you know, like that. And yet yeah. you, you, you have the courage to get on podcast shows like this. And share your story with absolutely no fear of being judged, no fear of losing business. In fact, probably, and I would say, this is the kicker, the opposite is more people will do business with you because of the fact that you're sharing your story and because of the fact that you're being vulnerable and letting yourself you know, be vulnerable. And that, to me, is more reason to do business with you than anybody else in your industry. You know? it's, it's true. Like people, I mean, all in all, I just want to be authentic and share like the truth because I mean, there was a lot of times where I was hiding like who I really was it, and I was covering it up with alcohol and a lot of people probably do that as well. But when I really push past that, like 
I was like, why, what do I have to be afraid of? Other than like spiders, like I, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> like spiders, I, bugs. <laughs> but I mean, those are little, little tiny things that, you know, but at, jumping out of planes, you know. <laughs> but you know, things like that, the, the, I'm, I'm, I don't know, people tell me I'm rare sometimes, but if we just go through something and it, we don't have to always go through really dramatic situations like I did, but I mean, just make steps to, to push through what that, that thing is that's holding you back, you know, like what is that one thing or ask for help or figure out something that, that can help you get to that next level. Cause all you have to do is take action and try because most people will just be like, well, no, no, maybe next time. Like, why not try now? Like what, what's what's in it for you like 10 years from now instead of doing something right now you know so mm-hmm. there's just well, a lot that, you can that, do that's the thing and, and, and this is really where i want to want to take with this conversation just to get practical here for those listening who are building a business you know how do they get out there and share their story and you know what if what if someone listening to this is thinking but you know, she's got a great story to tell. Like, I, I don't have much of a story. Like, what what am I? Like, what if they called you up, Tamara, and they had a budget? You know, you know, I don't know what your budget is, but like hundred thousand dollars to do a a really really cool video production for their business, but they don't really have a great story. What would you say to them? Well, I believe everyone has some sort of story that that makes them unique in who they are. And so, like, you have to think of it that way because it's not necessarily going to be a dramatic story. But what is it that's most impactful for what they're doing and what they want to drive for their business? What are they most passionate about? Because Mm -hmm. somebody is going to relate with that specific story. Even if, like, some people might not relate with my story because they haven't gone through this, but they might relate with some of your other guests. Like, there really is a, I have, I always tell people this, and I, I speak from stage as well, where I let our clients know like you have to step up and you just have to share what it is like in your heart like what is your your goals like what are you looking for and we'll we usually sit down with our clients and do all that pre-production um here's a quick story real quick there's a gal that that contacted me literally on facebook she said first just a message i'd never talked to her before she said all i know is i need to work with your team and i was like (laughs) well hello i'm like nice to meet you (laughs) she said She's like, just like, I need to work with your team. I'm from the UK. I'm flying into to, I'm in LA like on Sunday. Can you meet me on Sunday? That was wow. like, wow. Like I've obviously something impacted her. And so that was really cool. She's like, I'm going to be in, in town for 30 days and I want to work with you guys. So we went and met with her. We sat down with her for about 90 minutes. There was something about her story. It just wasn't, wasn't clicking yet. Like she kept telling me this was her story that she wanted to share. And I, I just kept kind of, you know, being patient and kind of pulling. And then she opened up to me after like the first 90 minutes and we took a little walk. So we were at a coffee shop and we decided to shift gears and walk over by the beach. And so she sat down with me and then she just started opening up more. She said, well, there's actually something I didn't tell you. She was mm-hmm. like, about a year before that situation that I told you was my story, this happened. And I <laughs> said, that was it. I was like, that was her aha moment. And I said, that is your story. So sometimes people need an extra like ear or, or hand to like really figure out what it is that their story is that they want to share through like video production, if that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I'm really good at. And our team's really good at. It's just like, really figuring out what that authentic story is that should be shared for your personal brand or your company or whatever that is. Like, that's just like one of my like major like strengths as I love to pull out those stories because it has to be something that, that people resonate with that you feel passionate about that that's going to impact others. And so, so that there, was really cool. Is there a recipe that I guess we could sort of um, reverse engineer your brain in a way where those listening who obviously can't afford your, you know, your budget, your price point, is there a way that they could sit down, um, take a day off and really sort of reflect and, and build their story, maybe take out a piece of paper or and write their story down? What would you start with? Like, can you give us some ingredients for those listening that they could take action and, and really start building up, you know, their, their story? Sure. And if there's a sense of like, okay, if you're sitting down and you take a day off from what you're doing, if you think in your your current state, though, like, you just took a day off, what do you just take a day off from? Like, first figure out what it is that um, you're most passionate about and connect that with something that's in your past. Like, a lot of people tend to connect with something um, that 
you know, I, I was connecting because I started making silly YouTube videos, but I never thought that that would make a business. Right. So right. that, that happened to be for me. So I look back to something that I was like passionate about as a, as a child or a teenager or even my mid twenties, like, like figure out like, okay, so this is what I'm most passionate about. Like, what's my story that's connected with that? If that's something that I want to pursue in as a career or something in life, like I think to myself, what is it? I just kind of go back through the steps of where I was in life. Like what, where was leading this? Who are the people I was connected with? What, what is the most impactful point of my, my life that I was really like leading into something else that, that could create impact for others. And so I kind of step back that way. Of course, everyone's going to be different, like on how they're going to find their story, but really like think back to your times of something that made you smile or something that um, was really hard. um, Something that, you know, other people have told you like make you unique. Like sometimes we don't even hear our own story and some Mm -hmm. people will will pull that out of us as well. I mean, it's going to be different for everyone, but I mean, really just think about certain points in your life, even if you didn't go to jail or anything like that, but (laughs) something that was important to you um, that you could share with others that people are going to connect with along the way. Amazing. So I've got a, a few questions here from some of the Facebook fans that they, uh, <clears throat> they posted some questions for you here. Um, so number one is, how did you keep going when everything was crumbling around you? Was it something you believed in? Oh, wow. Um, I think because <laughs> I got to points in my life where um, I had to keep going because I was that person that like, I had like, I didn't have like scarcity mindset, but at certain points I did, but like the sense of this is how bad it was. Like I would get down to like $4 in my account where I was debating, like, should I go to the dollar menu at McDonald's? Do I have enough money for a cup of coffee? Like (laughs) that kind of like, (laughs) like the stress there, like, can I pay for rent? Like those are things that I went through like years back that I was like, Hmm, like that drove me (laughs) to be like, okay, how can I make money tomorrow? How can I do this? And it was, I had this like scarcity mindset where I'd be like, what do I have? What can I sell to (laughs) make this money (laughs) instead of learning all the things I learned through entrepreneurship? Like an example, like we have, have uh, do-it-yourself video production courses. We're creating funnels for that right now. Like, like doing something like create pre-sales for a product that you haven't created yet for people that are interested in what you do to make money that forces you to take action to create those courses instead of thinking, what should I sell today? Like my TV or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's so many things like I could go on, but <laughs> right. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been a, quite the journey. <laughs> Okay, another question. Um, alcoholism is a lifelong illness. What do you do to stay dry? And do you, through your business, try to assist others with a similar past? I do, actually. Um, I don't drink much of anything <laughs> other than water. Okay. Uh, I always, even if um, I'm in a situation uh, where there is alcohol, which, I, you know, there are situations I have to go to and attend um, either uh, business, like, functions or parties that are, you know, more along the lines for, like, clients or invites, but I don't go out late. Uh, I don't surround myself with, with alcohol much, but... Um, I do drink coffee now. Like I, I have that addictive personality. So it was almost like <laughs> I had to switch out something. I became addicted to water. <laughs> um, <No. laughs> that was that was hard for for the business a, that, side of that's it. That's a real like, addiction. What was that? Is that a real addiction? <laughs> water or, <Yeah>. or coffee? <laughs> the coffee well, part, yeah. <laughs> could be like W A. You know, Water Anonymous. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm I'm definitely have addicted personality, so I, I believe that follows with um, alcoholism. Like we we're, we've all gone through some sort of like depression state or, or something that drives that. Like there's some mm-hmm. kind of memory that's triggered to it. Um, I actually had quit smoking cigarettes the same day that I got my fourth DUI. So I smoked cigarettes on and off for ten years, and I quit cold turkey that night. Whoa. I got pulled over, and I haven't had a cigarette since. That's and, insane. Um, that was crazy. People asked me how I did that, and I said, "Well, 
I, I knew that if I smoked cigarettes, it would I would crave alcohol. It was almost like it came hand in hand. So I separated both of them at the same time so that it made it a little bit easier. It was actually harder for me to quit cigarettes than it was alcohol, which is it seems crazy. Wow. But I had the nicotine uh, feelings and the anxiety attacks through the first nine months of sobriety, which was really um, interesting. And at any time I wanted to smoke a cigarette, my friends were like, just call me. And so I like <laughs> would just call them. I said, hey, like I called my buddy one day. I was like, hey, I'm like, I just want to say hi. Um, I'm having an anxiety attack. Like I I need a cigarette, but I'm just going to talk to you. <laughs> and he's like, sure. <laughs> he's like, call me anytime. So like, having a support system was awesome too. Do you, do you ever get temptations now to go for the bottle or, or, or to have a smoke? No, actually, I think the last time that I even ever thought of having a drink was probably about four years ago. And the reason was, was I was out actually at the Bahamas and I was at Atlantis and it's beautiful there. Right. And so I'm like walking around. I thought that that one little thought came in my head and I thought to myself, well, I was like, well, all these people have these fruity drinks. It's just one drink, right? It's just one drink. But that (laughs) one drink can spiral me back into habits that I don't want to go back into. So I turned around and I ordered a a virgin, like, smoothie, like, like a raspberry (laughs) something, like, non-alcoholic. And, you know, it did the trick. Like, you're out there, you have this little glass. But then I don't, after that point, I didn't even do that. I didn't Mm. get any, like, virgin this, virgin that. I don't even get uh, drinks that have glasses that look like it has alcohol in it because I don't want to be associated with it. Mm, but that was the one point because I thought, well, nobody's going to know, right? I'm the, I'm out here. I'm on vacation. Nobody's going to know. Um, but then I thought to myself, well, geez, I've gone through quite a bit. I should, probably should not even do that even if I'm on a vacation, right? Mm. What w- If you would go back and change anything in your past, would you? Um, I don't think so. It really makes me who I am today. And we all have struggles, even going through like businesses and scaling businesses. Like my life, like put me on this path for a reason. I really truly believe that it might've taken me a little bit longer than some people, but you know, I always tell people like, no matter how old you are, where you're at in your life, like you can always change your life path. Like you can take action today. Like even if you're listening to this and you're 45 or 50 and and you think like, oh, I don't have much time left. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Like think about what, what is it? Um, Colonel Sanders or the KFC guy that basically turned around stuff for KFC chicken at age like 65. Like, come on, like (laughs) anyone could do anything at any age. (laughs) Like you just have to to turn your life around and just go for it and just ask for help along the way. And what drives you on a daily basis? Like what's your goal? What's your, what's like your vision? Like what keeps you going? Oh, I just want to get more messages out to impact multiple people. So every time we, I direct a video or get like it's so cool because we get like all this reaction when we release a new trailer like oh my gosh i love this this is so inspiring it's so impactful every time we release a new one i'm like i just want to do more you know i want to go out and direct another documentary film like i that's like my whole purpose is to create connect and inspire not just through video but through podcasts through interviews through stage presence like that's like what i do and and i just want to impact and encourage other people to take action in their life and really just ask for help and and just take the actionable steps to to figure out what they want to do and just get their story out there like it just inspires me so every time I hear somebody else's story I want to share their story and then you know work with more people so it just keeps driving the fuel whenever I hear other people's stories and then Hmm. we are able to create a tangible product where we tell epic stories through video and just the impact that you see with the comments and people reaching out and just like that fuels me literally and being able to be on podcasts and share my story like people reach out and they're like oh my gosh I heard your your story like I loved it. Like, I really resonate with you. I get multiple private messages where people are actually commenting and asking me, like, even about alcoholism. People will contact me and say, hey, you know, I, like, drink three glasses of wine a night. Like, do you think I have a problem? (laughs) I'm I'm like, well, I'm like, do you think you have a problem? (laughs) Like, you got to, like, really step in, like, ask the right questions. But, um, yeah, I just like to connect with people. If it's on, like, my story or if it's on video, whatever that is, like, I'm there to just keep driving through because it just pushes me and motivates me to keep doing better and just keep building our business as well. It's amazing. And and if those listening want to check out some of your videos that you've produced, where can they find them? 
Yeah, they can go to our website, uh, seriestakeproductions.com. And actually, if, if you go to the, the website, there's actually a pop-up to view our documentary for free. So mm. if you opt into there, they can actually go watch our latest documentary, Inspired by Eleven, which is the one where we interviewed top uh, entrepreneurs from around the world. And it's a little of a mishmash of like t- – like, amazing tips from their expertise in their niche as well as inspiring content. So, I mean, I I even cry when I watch it. So, (laughs) and I I directed it. I still cry. That's amazing. (laughs) Listen, I sometimes cry when I'm, when I'm, you know, writing in my book, I'm releasing a new book hopefully this year. And, you know, when you, when you get, when you get into that zone where I can't even describe it because the only, the only way I can really explain it is if you've experienced it, you've experienced it. And if you haven't, you haven't. You won't get it. But if you have, you'll get it. And it's like, it's just that moment where, and I think I had it today, um, where I'll be sitting there in front of my laptop and I'll have my headphones on. I'll be listening to some music in the background and I'll just be in this very trance-like state and I'll be writing from very deep within me. And it's like... You really feel like you're 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 going on a path that you want to go on. You know what I mean? Like you just feel so good about what you're doing that it, it literally brings you to tears, and you just feel so like grateful that you're able to do it. Do you know what I mean? I definitely know what you mean. It, it happens to me actually quite a bit more than I have probably admitted. But um, <laughs> there's just these moments that that you just have this kind of like aha like moment as like things are happening and you're like i'm and then you think to yourself well i'm doing the right thing like this is what i need to do and and you it just gives you more of a push to continue to strive to do that you know with like creating a book or a video or speaking on stage and i mean it's it's cool because just know that you're going to impact somebody like people just they think to themselves well who's going to want to watch me on my live stream or or, you know because i encourage people and i challenge people to do like facebook live to get their stories and brand and messaging out and people are like well Mm. what do i have to offer i'm like you have something to offer everyone like people want to hear stories other people are afraid to go out and take action and get on a facebook live like this week this past week alone going into the new year i challenged like a dozen people and i have all these comments of people going and text message hey tamra i went live it felt so good (laughs) like i I feed off that stuff i'm like that's awesome like i'm gonna go help share this content and you know and now they're like planning their next facebook live and now i've encouraged them to like be consistent and go once a week and they're doing it so it's it's so cool to wow. see people just take action. Like, even if you're not quite sure where the direction's going, like, just do something and, and try to figure out some of it along the way. So, well, I just love that, seeing people go after that. Yeah. On that note, I just want to do, a, I guess, a, a little challenge for my listeners. Um, the challenge for you is to is to jump on Facebook Live and share your story. I know it's uh, it's scary as hell. But you know what? I did it on my first uh, podcast uh, episode, and I also did it on multiple other podcast shows. And you know what? It's it's incredible, incredible how much feedback you're gonna get. You know, just and the people who are gonna who are gonna kind of like put you down about it. People are gonna kind of you know hate on you or. You know, it's because they not, secretly not, want to do it themselves. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Those are the people that honestly, it's they just they can't handle that because they want they would love to share their story, they just can't, and so therefore they're jealous of you, and so they have to hate on you because it's the only mm-hmm. way they can react. So just ignore them. Um, but that's exactly. my challenge for you guys, and for those of you that want to get in touch with Tamara, Tamara, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, there's a few different ways. You can find my uh, director, Tamara Thompson, uh, on Facebook. That's my um, figure page. And then you, oh, you can follow the Series Take Productions uh, Facebook. Uh, my actual Twitter handle and Instagram is at Serious Take Pro. Uh, productions is kind of long, so <laughs> Serious Take Pro is good on those. Uh, yeah, feel free to uh, reach out at any time. Like I, I'm here to answer questions as well as you know give feedback and, and things like that. So I, I love to hear other people's stories as well. Amazing, Tamara. This has been really inspirational. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. Thank you to my fellow brain pickers. One day I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.